Welcome to Your Wellness MD Podcast. This is where family physician and wellness expert, Dr. Daniela Stein and her life coach sister, JB, share holistic solutions for your everyday health and wellness challenges. We explore the connection between a healthy body, mind, and soul, and share tips that will enable you to thrive. Thanks for joining us today. Good day, it's JB. And hi from Dr. Daniela. Welcome to today's Wellness in the Podcast. Today we are talking about sleep. One of my favorite subjects, sleeping your way to health. And what a relevant subject. So many of my friends complain about not getting enough sleep, especially those with little children. For me, this is an area of my life where your direction has been life-changing. And those interventions, if you will, have had a dramatic impact on my life the last couple of years. Sleep is the ultimate key to optimal health. Sleep influences every function in your body. It affects how your body processes food, how it regulates blood sugar, how it processes cognitive information, and it reduces inflammation. Optimizing your sleep is critical for optimal health. Getting enough good quality sleep at the right time can help you feel your best and be high-functioning all day. I get it. It's quality and quantity of sleep. But what I hear you are saying as well is not getting enough good sleep can actually make you sick. Exactly. Not sleeping well does not only affect the next day, but also the following couple of days. It can make you experience brain fog. It can make you feel depressed and even feel sick. Sleep deprivation has been linked to developing chronic diseases such as obesity or heart disease. It really increases your risk of heart disease by 48%. It even increases your risk of cancer. Sleep deprivation can also lead to arthritis, an overactive or an underactive thyroid, an increased risk of stroke, a higher risk of developing Alzheimer's dementia, and it triples your risk of type 2 diabetes. A lack of good sleep depresses your immune system and you're four times as likely to get a cold. Wow. I've noticed if I don't sleep well at night for a couple of nights in a row due to work or other stress, I might get a cold or sometimes even a cold sore. I also tend to get brain fog when I don't sleep well. Why is that? Oh, that's fascinating. You have an incredible self-cleaning, detoxifying system in your brain. This is called the glymphatic system. So it almost sounds like lymphatic, but there is a G in front, a glymphatic system. It opens up between the brain cells and it flushes out all the toxic molecules that's involved in neurodegenerative disorders. So neurodegenerative disorders are breakdown of our normal healthy functions in the brain. So this glymphatic system is only active while you're asleep. So during the day, there is no restoration, no cleaning out. And then the decrease of non-REM sleep has been shown to impair the function of your glymphatic system, which then increases your risk of developing Alzheimer's dementia. Wow. So sleep deprivation doesn't only impair my concentration the next day, but it has a long-term effect on my brain function. Mm. So what should I do when I go to bed and I can't fall asleep right away? It helps to understand the science about sleep. Your body has a circadian rhythm to help you know when to sleep 
and when to wake up. So your circadian rhythm is regulated by the hormone melatonin. Melatonin is produced by the pineal gland in the middle of your brain. When the sun goes down, your pineal gland gets turned on and melatonin levels rise to make you sleepy. However, when you are exposed to a lot of light from your computer screen or your cell phone or a television, it tricks your brain to think that it is still day. Well, I've used melatonin before to help with jet lag. You are saying your body naturally has its own melatonin. What other hormones help with sleep? Adenosine is a neurotransmitter and that transfers energy and it signals throughout the body during the day. So when your body runs out of fuel from food, adenosine signals to the body to become drowsy to sleep so that you can rebuild your energy reserves. And then during sleep, the buildup of adenosine gets broken down again, leaving you refreshed in the morning. Interesting. How long should one sleep? So when I talk to my patients about sleep, I will first talk about the quality of sleep, what they get. So how while you sleep is even more important than the amount of hours you sleep. For a good night's sleep, your body needs to cycle through all four different stages of sleep at least five times. So usually to go through one um, stage or through all five stages will take you 90 minutes. So if you want to cycle through that five times, that's going to take about seven and a half hours. And each stage has a different function. So the first stage is your non-REM stage one. That's the transition period from being wakeful and falling asleep. It takes about five to 10 minutes. Then in stage two, your body temperature drops. Your heart rate slows down. And your brain produces sleep spindles. That's about 20 minutes. Then you go into a non-REM stage three. Your brain waves slow. Your blood is redirected from your brain to your muscles. And it's allowing your body to heal and to repair itself. Your muscles relax. Your blood pressure decreases. And your breathing rate decrease. Here is where your deepest sleep occurs. After that, you go into your REM sleep. So REM stands for rapid eye movement. REM sleep in that stage four. Here your brain becomes more active. Your body becomes more relaxed and immobilized. And this is the phase when dreams occur. And that's also when your eyes, you know, move rapidly around. That is where this name comes from, the rapid eye movement phase of sleeping. I'm a night owl. I often work till very late at night. Mm. Other times I like to go with my go to bed with my husband earlier, but I would get up very early to get some work done, which is best, late night or early morning. Very interestingly, studies have shown that irrespective of your personal preference, our bodies repair the best between 10 o'clock at night and two o'clock in the morning. So even if you did get eight hours of sleep from 12 p.m. to 8 a.m., it won't be as restorative as sleeping from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. During the earlier hours of the night, your body spends more time in this non-REM sleep, which is the deepest stage of sleep. When your body restores and recovers, then later during the night, the length of your non-REM sleep decreases, while the length of your later, less restful REM sleep increases. And you really want to focus you now on, on the deeper, good quality phases. 
This is super helpful. One of the biggest changes I've made in my life was after reading an article about sleep and thriving by Ariana Huffington oh, yes. in, I think it was 2015. She strongly recommended not allowing your cell phone or any mm. screen in your bedroom at night. So for the past six years, I've been using an old-fashioned alarm clock in my bedroom at night, and I leave my phone either in the bathroom or the kitchen, and it's been a game changer for me. Oh, that's a great tip. Our bodies need it to be dark for two to three hours before bedtime. And unfortunately, our computer and cell phone screens really disrupt our circadian rhythm. That's a tough one, you know, three hours before, two to three hours before you go to bed. What else can I do to reset that circadian rhythm? Our bodies is designed in such a way that you should get going early in the morning. So rather than going, um, having a cup of coffee, the best way is to get outside in the sun early in the morning, to go outside for a walk, to, to, to reset your clock and let your body know it's daytime. Your body really needs that sunlight. And if you're in a place where it's completely dark, so we used to live in northern Alberta. And there, especially during winter, our days were very short. And quite often the sun would only come up nine o'clock when I was already at work, or it would set at four o'clock in the afternoon while I'm still at work, you know, and then it's harder for your body. And what I've done there was to buy myself, they call it a sunlight light. So it's a light that you can buy online at Costco that mimics natural sunlight. And then you can turn a light like that on in your room. And then a lot of my patients in Vancouver use that because they are quite overcast for a big portion of the time. So, and you don't have to stare directly into the light. You can just have it there while you're having breakfast in the morning, just for 20 minutes to help your body to know that it's day. And then again with lunch, you can have it on for 20 minutes again. And that really helps. Nothing beats natural sunlight, of course. I've been a morning exercise person mm. since I was about 13 years old. My day is just not the same if I did not go outside, not treadmill outside yes. for a run or a brisk walk in the morning. So I'm a believer. I know the difference it makes in my life when I do it and when I don't. I want to share another big lifestyle change I made a couple of years ago that had a huge impact on how I sleep and how refreshed I wake up. My work mentor at the time, his name was Leonard Falskink. He sent me and everyone else he mentored on a stress management course. The course presenter spent a full day talking to us about how important sleep is. I told her that I have a big job and I have too much work and that I just can't sleep as many hours as what she recommends. And I'll never forget her response. She said to me, the quality of your sleep is as important, mm. if not more important, than the quantity of sleep. And then she said to me that there are a couple of things that you can do to improve the quality of your sleep. And she said that I should avoid caffeine after 2 p.m. Mm. And I told her I sleep just fine after a cup of coffee because in the South African culture in which we grew up, most people have a nice cup of coffee after dinner, I did that for years and years, especially when I started doing my MBA. I did it part-time while I was working full-time. I'd have a couple of cups of coffee just to stay awake and be alert and then go to bed, no problem. And then she said that even though I might think 
that I sleep fine, I don't get the quality sleep during the REM phase, the REM phase that I need for thorough rest and recovery. And, you know, I made that change and I haven't had coffee after 2 p.m. in 12 years. And the impact is unbelievable. Zanila, what are your thoughts about avoiding caffeine in the afternoon? Please explain the impact, biological impact of caffeine on the body. So caffeine has this incredible ability to keep your brain and body from realizing it is tired. It has been shown to improve focus and concentration, and it helps athletes perform better. I'm an athlete myself, and I've coached many athletes, and there is science behind, you know, the benefit of caffeine really helping you to focus. But then coffee has a half-life of about five to seven hours. So this means for caffeine to be adequately metabolized in order for you to fall into your deeper sleep, it is best to avoid caffeine after midday. And you remember the hormone adenosine that we spoke about that that's part of, you know, um, part of it gets secreted during the day to help, you know, so caffeine molecules are very similarly shaped to adenosine. So then it can replace the spots on those receptors and then you don't realize that you're getting tired. Wow. That is so interesting. I never really understood the biological science behind what I'm doing. And and what about meditation? Does that help um, your sleep, even if you've done it like 16 hours before in the morning? Oh, for sure. So meditation will definitely improve the quality of your sleep. When you've been under chronic stress, your adrenal glands are maxed out from secreting cortisol during the day to help you cope. So under normal conditions, our adrenal glands must secrete a small amount of cortisol overnight for our brains to sleep optimally. But when your cortisol reserves are empty, your body secretes adrenaline. And then that adrenaline surge causes um, more restless energy at night. It causes your mind to race and that can make you sweaty in the middle of the night. So what meditation does is it helps to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which allows your body to fully relax, which helps with the healing and restoration of your adrenal cortex, your whole hypothalamic pituitary axis system. And then by stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system, it helps your whole body to heal, which enables you to sleep better at night. Well, I'm happy to report back that I've had more than seven days already of uninterrupted meditation, six minutes a morning. I get, get, get. What else can our listeners do to sleep better? Uh, To create a bedtime routine. Just like I have for my two-year-old son. Exactly. The same way little children fall asleep easier with a strict bedtime routine, the same way we as adults will benefit from preparing our bodies for sleep. Something you can do, and and you can, you know, take things from this that you like and create your own ritual. So something that's helpful is to make yourself a herbal caffeine-free tea. Chamomile tea works great. Rooibos tea works great. You can also add warm oat milk with cinnamon and honey. You can take a warm bath with Epsom salts and lavender essential oils. You can do 20 minutes of stretching, something like yoga or something similar. You can journal at night, write something down that you're grateful for. And then 
if, if something particularly hard happened during the day, it can help you to process those events that you handle during the day. You can plan your next day. Won't writing a to-do list for the next day wake my brain up again after a relaxing bath? That's interesting. You know, one would think so. But there has actually been a study that shown participants who wrote a to-do list for tomorrow fell asleep faster than the group who only journaled about their day. So writing down your list reassures your mind that these specific issues will be dealt with. And your mind doesn't have to try to remember it during the night. Awesome. What is your opinion about essential oils for sleep? Ah, Lavender essential oil has been shown to have a calming effect. And it's also been shown to increase deep sleep. Do you recommend any other supplements to help listeners sleep? I don't use sleeping, sleeping pills, except when I take a 17-hour flight to South Africa. <laughs> um, but anything else you can recommend to listeners to take? So it's important to discuss this with your physician, you know, because there's things like sleep apnea that can keep you up at night. It, it's really important to have a, a thorough medical checkup with your physician. And then afterwards... You know, when you get to a point where you say, oh, I can't sleep, I really feel I should have a sleeping pill to reconsider that. Because studies has actually been shown that even people who do use sleeping pills, it doesn't really improve the quality of their sleep time. And it generally, on the long run, only improves your sleeping time by about 30 minutes. You know, and then the trade-off with all the side effects of the medication and the dependence that your body get on this you know, it, it's in my opinion, not really worth worth it. Just, you know, that, that impaired quality of sleep, you know, it does not make up for the little, the 30 minutes that you get extra. So I don't advise it. When you travel, you can take melatonin supplement that helps your body to adjust to the new sleep hours. So if you're in a different time zone and same thing to discuss that with your doctor before you start taking it, but I usually advise one to three milligrams, 30 minutes before bedtime. You can take this the first three days that you're in your new time zone to help your body reset. And then some people find it helpful to use for so short periods of time when they're recovering from burnout as well. And taking too high doses can increase morning drowsiness and, and vivid dreams, you know, so it's not for everyone. Then if it's specifically regarding jet lag, it also helps to to reset your body clock by first thing in the morning in your new time zone to set your alarm and get out, get some sunshine. Now, something else I recommend is magnesium glycinate. So a supplement of 200 milligram, half an hour before bedtime. Alcohol impairs the absorption of magnesium from our gut. And then also inflammation impairs the absorption. And I've been fascinated in the hospital when I would do patients' um, blood work for different reasons. It's so common to find a magnesium deficiency. And wow. then also people who present to me with sleep concerns, I would first thing, you know, do a magnesium level. And, and it, it's fascinating how, you know, up to 30% of adults do have a magnesium deficiency. And magnesium is so important. It helps us to slow down. It helps you to sleep better by in increasing your GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that promotes relaxation and sleep. So I definitely advise people to take a 200 milligram magnesium glycinate supplement. And there's different, many different types of magnesium. Most common and less, less expensive is magnesium oxide, 
but our bodies can't absorb that as well as magnesium glycinate. So that's the product to look out for. And then Epsom salts, you know, that's magnesium sulfate. So Epsom salts in your bath also helps your muscles relax. Awesome. Adding magnesium to my vitamins I take at night is an easy one. A lot of really good information that put into action will help ensure that you wake up rested, refreshed, and ready to jump up and ready for the day. Mareka is of the seven tips that Dr. D gave us to choose two to three that you want to incorporate into your life to make it practical and sustainable. I mean, seven's a bit much if one goes. <laughs> so just in summary, the seven tips she gave us today aim to get seven and a half hours sleep, of which 10 o'clock at night to two o'clock in the morning is the most critical. So for many of us, it means going to bed earlier. The second tip was to avoid screens, mm. especially your phone before you go to bed, ideally the hour or two before you go to bed. And then ideally remove your phone from your nightstand and put it somewhere else so that it's not the last thing you look at at night. And then try reading something positive or uplifting just before drifting off. Then our third tip, go outside for a walk or a run first thing in the morning or use a sunlight light if you live somewhere where there is no sun in the morning. The fourth tip, avoid caffeine in the afternoon. Fifth, meditate, even if it's just five minutes a day. Mm. Six, create a bedtime routine and it can include lavender essential oil and lastly take some magnesium before bedtime. For me, the one thing I need to work at is I need to ensure I put the phone down even earlier at night. And I definitely need to start with a more relaxing nighttime routine. Thanks, Dr. D. Oh, thanks, JB. It was fun. Quality sleep can change your life. Live well. Until next time. If you love this podcast, tag a picture of yourself listening to it on social and you can win a free coaching session with Dr. D. And if you know someone who complains about being tired or would love to improve their health, share this podcast episode with them. Until next week, happy sleeping. Cheers. Thanks for spending your time with your wellness MD doc, Daniela and JB today. For more episodes, subscribe to our podcast. We would love to connect with you at info at wellnessmdhealth.com. And remember, you were created to thrive. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast.